You all right? My name's Paul, I've got autism, and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works, and I stick the videos on the internet just in case you fancy giving them a watch. I am roasting. I'm red hot. I hate the heat, and all of a sudden it's gone hot in England again, and it's probably going to be like this now until October. But I am roasting. I It just feels like a million pins just being intermittently stabbed across my entire body. I never get a rash. I just feel so irritated. It's like I've got porcupines just rolling all over me. Really, really dislike the feeling of heat. It just irritates me a lot. You know, and I can't dive in the shower to cool down because the feeling of getting out of the shower is even worse because you can be in the shower, you're nice and cool, it feels good. You get out, you've got to dry yourself, but you feel that warm air. And to me, warm air feels worse than sitting on a public toilet seat when it's still warm. <laughs> you know, someone's just been there before you have. The hot air feels dirty to me. I just really, really dislike it. I don't like taking a big, big breath of warm air. Um, and I, you know, I, and because I think I struggle with my sleep a lot, you know, I need silence. I need it to be pitch black, and I need it to be cool. And they're the three things I'm not afforded. When you know, when it's warm, it's warm. You can't stop it. And Houses in England don't, don't have air con unless you buy it. I don't have sash windows, so buying like an air conditioning unit's not, uh, not really an easy possibility because you have to buy those hose extension kits. There's still a big gap around your window frame, and why would you pay a fortune to cool your house for all the cold air to just get out? Don't make much sense. Um, yeah, and it's too bright in the mornings, so I've got to bang a sleep mask on, but because it's hot, the sleep mask gets warm and can't open a window because then I hear too many, you know, birds in the morning are really noisy. And for some reason, kids walking around listening to music out of their phone, you know, when they hold it like that. I don't understand when people hold the phone like this. Do you do that? Don't do that. Weird. Right? And they just have music playing out of it like they're holding a tray of drinks. No, not a fan. And I don't want to really crap music. Turn it off, put headphones in. You know, it's your choice to play your music from your phone. I don't want to hear it. Put earphones in. But there you go. They've got no respect. No respect for their elders. So, yeah, just having a bit of a moan about the heat, as I'm sure you've gathered. So I want to move on and talk about something I don't think I've ever actually mentioned, and that is how much I dislike the term autism spectrum disorder. And I do. I really, I really, really dislike it. And uh, I'll split it down. I'll tell you why I dislike autistic. I'll tell you why I dislike spectrum. And I'll tell you why I dislike disorder. Um, but I think the reason I want to talk about it, and I was thinking about this earlier, is who do I speak to who has autism outside of speaking to you? Nobody. Anything that's in my head, I, I share with you. I don't talk to anyone else. Like the, the people at work, we talk about work-related things or, you know, it's the general, so what are, you, what are you up to this weekend then? And that's not ever a window to go, well, I'll tell you about my autism. You know, you don't really get to talk about it with anyone for any, any reason. So all the thoughts you have about it 
are kind of foreign to people. They don't really understand it. They don't really want to give you room to talk about it. So I end up having these thoughts. They stay thoughts. I never think of sharing them. And then they flitter away. But I've caught this one. And I, I want to talk about it. Um, and I know I've mentioned that I dislike the term disorder several times, but I've never actually told you I dislike the spectrum part and the autistic part. So no better way than to just get into it. But please remember, just my opinion, you might love it. You might love ASD. You might have it tattooed on your forehead. I don't know. I don't know you. But they're just opinions. I'm allowed mine. You're allowed yours. Not hurting anyone. So, why do I dislike autistic? I dislike it because of the media. I, I, I dislike it because of TV and media, film and, you know, all sorts that's associated with how you would get the name put out there on anything. You know, you look at TV shows like The Big Bang Theory and you had Sheldon, who was autistic. I've never met anyone like him, autistic or not. You know, and that show's not for me. I'm not a canned laughter, joker second sort of person. I've never been a fan of them types of shows. But that character rubbed me the wrong way. I couldn't associate with him. I found him to be too sharp, direct, rude. When someone who would be like that would know that there is a line. And you don't just say some of the things he said. And I think that can give the false impression of what autism can be. You've got Rain Man, you know, the sort of first film that really brought autism to its forefront, made people look like they were savants in autism. And I know there's a thousand ways to say the word savant, savant, whatever. I'm just using savant because that's the one I know. Don't call me out. And, you know, it made him look like, Autistic people are savants. We've all got this great skill, whatever it may be. We've just got to unearth it. I don't know what my my savant skill is. One day I'll figure it out. No, we haven't all got that. That's a myth. That's not real. You know, I, I've met four autistic people this year. We're all very different, but none of them said they had a, you know, a, a super special skill. So, you know, that again can give an impression that we are savants, that we've all got something, you know, and you do see it sometimes. I remember this kid on TV who could literally, like, I think they took him up in a helicopter and he just had a quick look at the Manhattan skyline, landed down, he had no pictures, no nothing, and he drew the buildings, like you could actually see the street changes, the building levels, and he had everything memorised and it blew my mind. You could fly me over Manhattan and about four hours later, I'd be going, did, did we drive here? Or I don't remember driving. No, we flew. Did we? That's how bad my mind is. So, you know, we just have so many different ways that autism can be shown. But autism is only shown in so many ways. It's not shown in all of the ways. You don't see people like me on the media. You don't see people like me portrayed in TV or film. It's just because I'm just every man. There's nothing that makes me stand out or shine or quirks. There's none of that. So why would you? But the point is, I'm still autistic. 
because as much as I can fluff my way through life in a neurotypical world, no one sees the anxiety and the stress I get under. No one. I do. I feel it. I'm feeling it now. I haven't done anything, you know? And I just don't like the, the falsities that are created by your Sheldons, your Rain Man, your, the accountant. You know, I like the film, The Accountant, because he is more structured as I am. You know, like he's got a knife, a fork, a spoon. When I worked away, I had exactly the same because I lived, you know, by myself. That's all I need. No messing about. I need one plate, one knife, one fork, one spoon, because I was a lot more dialed in. But I didn't even know I had autism back then. But I lived very, very structured. There was no no movement, no room for nothing. So it was... Um, but then, obviously, the accountant just madly kills people. So... Uh, it's not accurate, I think is what I'm trying to say. You know, your films especially, they're always pushed to the furthest degree into fantasy land. And for people who don't know what autism is, they're bad examples to give, so they should leave autism out of it. <laughs> you know, make, make, make something up. Make a condition up. That's not actually real. Because if it's going to be a far-fetched film anyway, what does it matter if it's, they say it's autism or it's spablo? You know, it it really won't make a difference, would it? I don't think it would anyway. Um, you know, and then you get the sort of other side of it when you watch your shows like Love on the Spectrum and you find people who make good television, people who have a certain level of quirk that makes them appear fun, makes them appear interesting, makes them appear like, oh, I think I'll tune in next time to watch these. I'm not that guy. You know, but then again, like for people who don't know what people with autism actually are or look like, they're getting a representation, not the representation. And as I've said, I'm, my concern isn't with these types of things being shown. It's you have to at least show the other side too. Show it all. Don't just show a little bit. It's a bit like a really crap strip tease where they're just showing you the knee and a bit, a bit of thigh, maybe a bit of a you know, shoulder blade. You know, you'd be, you'd be livid, you know, but it, it, that's because you don't know the other parts exist. And I think that's what they need to do with autism. They need to show all of the areas, not just the parts they find they want to pull out of the, the cracks. You know, like I say, if there was a documentary on TV called The Autistic Everyman, I'm your guy when you follow me to work. And then you might see me have those moments where it's like, you know, the camera's a bit shaky and it goes in and out of focus. They don't really know what to do because I'm having a bit of a meltdown, but nobody gets to see my meltdowns because I'm in the middle of nowhere, away from humans, doing it. I don't let people see it. But why do I melt down? You'd see it if you tuned in. You know, that's, that's the point. But you'd get to see how everyday situations don't work for someone like me because they're not my design. And then there's the news, which picks up the side where it makes it look like we just cannot be a part of society. No matter how normal things may appear to be, we do something that pushes us over. And it always comes back to it being our fault. And I don't like that either. There was a kid, uh, 14 years old, he's in the news this week, and he, like his mum did everything she possibly could to go on holiday with a family. She contacted Manchester Airport, let them know that the son had autism, he can't be touched, and if he has to be touched, like when you go through security, 
There has to be a certain way to do it. He needs to be calm first. Take him to the room. Don't do it out in public. Don't just throw your hands on him. You've got to explain the process. They were given all the assurances in the world. They get there. He sets the buzzer off and someone just goes to pat him down straight away. And he ran off screaming. And one of his you know, group had to run through security to get him and calm him as best they could. But it was that distressing. They couldn't go on holiday and they had to go back through. That could have been avoided, but that's in the news. That makes it look like we can't conform to society that's been created, whereas it's absolutely not the case. The chain broke. The confirmed chain broke by neurotypical people. So why is it the artistic person's fault? Why did everybody have to not go on holiday because someone didn't get the memo, didn't listen, didn't really care, decided to do it their own way? Why is it the artistic person's fault? It gets it, you get the feeling like you get put onto the blame game, you no? Know? And obviously, in the, in, there was in the news what I did the video on that gentleman who's um, suing the supermarket um, because of his assistant's cat wasn't, you know, he's asked to leave the shop. You know, like I, I said, you know, in the video, I've said in comments to people, you know, he could have done a lot more, but then to play the devil's advocate. They could have treated it different as well. You know, it didn't have to be as extreme as it was. It didn't have to be to the scale it was. You know, there could have been a way to just discuss with him potential reasons why the cat wasn't allowed in the store. They could have potentially done a route to say, well, look, I'm, you know, the manager could have basically said, look, I'm very inexperienced at this. I've got no idea if we actually allow assistance cats in a store. So please bear with me. I'll jump onto HR. I'll get the information that's required, and I'll issue you a letter of, you know, basically just saying yes, it's fine, or no, it's not because, you know, there's always something someone else can do. Just like we can do things, as you know, I'm a big fan of us meeting someone halfway. You know, if we want to clear a jungle, you know, we have to get halfway together, don't we? Otherwise, just one person's doing all the work and that's not fair. But the news makes it look like autistic people are the problem in nearly every scenario we pop up in. But there's always an holistic person who's equally to blame or if not more at the blame, but you never hear about them. It's always the situation that we've, we are in because of what we did. So I dislike the term autism because it's too vast and the media gives its view on it, depending on which angle they're looking at, whether they want it to be fanatical, whether they want it to be a blame culture or whether they want it to just show a certain type of autistic person. So people who don't know about autism and don't know what it is, I've said it a million times, I can't speak Chinese. Why can't I speak Chinese? because I'm never going to go, so I'll never need it. It would be a waste of education for something I'll never use. So what's the point? You know, a lot could be said for people who are not autistic, who will potentially never come into contact with anyone who has autism for any significant purpose. So why would they get educated? They wouldn't. But when you've got the films, the media, TV shows, and they are all giving you a certain perspective subconsciously these people are being educated but it's incorrect education i'd rather there was none 
than incorrect education. So it frustrates me because the landscape of autism now is just too vast. There are people with comorbidities alongside autism, but the comorbidity is more prevalent, it's more primary, it's more at the forefront than their autism is, but they refer to themselves as autistic first. But if they're being driven more by OCD, for example, than they are by their autism, why wouldn't you identify more with OCD than autism? You'd say, I have OCD, but I also have other, you know, uh, I, have, I have autism as well, and da, da da da. And I think that makes a difference in when you're talking to people as well. But it's too vast. It's too much. It doesn't show all of autism, which further alienates people like me. And I'm allowed to be heard too. I'm allowed to, like I said, you show Autistic Everyman, that documentary, and there, there will be me screaming in a field with cows or looking at me like, who's he? What's he doing? But no one will ever see that because what TV would I make? It'd be boring for the rest, wouldn't it? And it'd only be interesting to people who are more like me. But nobody knows we exist because we're not on TV. I could go on about that bit all day, but that's why I don't like the word autism, artistic. It's just too varied. It's too vast, but it actually doesn't show all of autism. So there's going to be a lot of pockets that are underrepresented. So it's not fair. Spectrum. How can I have a problem with a spectrum? Simple. If you look at what spectrum means when it comes to things like autism conditions, it's from one extreme to the other. Now, you know, I know, that autistic people can have similarities, but at the core were so different, which is where the saying came from. If you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, because we are so different. You know, the, my last job, I briefly met the fire manager, and he was brilliant, but we were still very, very, very different people. We had similarities. We had things we were both fully agreed with, things we fully disagreed with, things which made a lot of sense to the other person because we knew where they were coming from. But we were still very different. And I think the problem is, for me, why I dislike it is because let's say, and I'm not having a go, but let's say we were to pick on someone with a visual impairment just for the argument's sake of what, how you could use a spectrum and how you can't. If someone has a visual impairment, you know, you can either see perfectly or you are fully blind. And that spectrum will determine how we would judge how well somebody can see. So if we're at this end, over on my, my left, great, perfect 20-20 vision, never need glasses, crack on. But if we're at the other end, my right hand, um, you know, that, that person has complete nothingness for vision. Now, that spectrum can be determined how much vision they have, how much it's, uh, you know, how it's deteriorating, how it might be plateauing, might be staying the same, what they struggle with, what they don't struggle with. Can they make shapes out? Can they not? We, they can go to an optometrist. They can get glasses made for a certain level, which might increase what they're losing. There are so many things where it would make sense for a spectrum in visual impairments, but they don't. They have that circular one. 
<laughs> I don't know what that's called because I'm daft as a brush, but you know where it sort of peaks in and peaks out um, based off how well something can be used and how it can't. But it makes more sense for visual impairments to use a spectrum, but they don't. Now, in autism, you to take you back to love on the spectrum, these people on the show could go to community groups, they could do theatre, they could go to speed dating. Now, I cannot, me, Paul, I cannot join a group with like-minded people through the social disinterest I have. I have a, I have a half interest of wanting to get to know more people like me, but I've got no interest in doing it, if that makes sense. Like, I like the idea of it more than the thought of doing it. You know, and like that person who was doing theatre in the show, I don't know if I've ever shared this, but the one job I would love would be to be an actor. I don't care if it be comedy. I couldn't do action. I'm too fat and lazy and I'm bald and usually they're good looking with a head of hair. But I love to act because I act every day out in public for free. You know, I'd love to be out there, you know, messing about with impressions and love it. But people usually start in a theatre production, and I've got a theatre in my local town. There's no way I could walk through them doors and go, Hiya, do you want me to be a tree? No way could I do that. No way. But these people on Love on the Spectrum could do it, and they look forward to it. Now, if we were looking on a social spectrum, one end to the other, they're at the good end, I'm at the bad end. They're at the can-do end, I'm at the can-not end. But that's socialising. What about going to work? Some people just cannot go to work. I can. Full of stress, anxiety, sleepless nights. Yeah, I am. But I can do that. So I'm at the can-do end. They're at the cannot end. What about cooking? What about dating? What about going shopping? What about clothes? How, you know, Can they wear unnormal clothes or do they have to have specialist clothes? What about weighted blankets? Do you need one or not? What about do you need a chew toy as a distractor? It's just too much. It is far too much, yet we're measured on a spectrum. And again, spectrum, when we're talking about autism, we're talking about one end to the other, one extreme to the other, which is probably where the you know, high-functioning autism versus low-functioning autism, probably where it came from, because it was being measured off a singular linear scale. You just can't, not 1%. And if you tried, it would be the most inaccurate you've ever seen in your life. No. So I strongly disagree with the term spectrum because the spectrum we're talking about is always linear. You can't measure autism linear. No chance. So that's why I dislike that. And as for the disorder, I've mentioned that before, but it's definitely the most hated word. Show me explain to me, come and walk around my house, look in my car, look at my work calendar, look at how I structure my work, look at how I arrange my fridge, freezer, clothes rails, how I make my bed, how my uh, cabinet looks in the, in the bathroom with everything facing forward, look at my stock rotation in my garage, <laughs> show me disorder, show me chaos. And when you don't find it, I'll explain to you where my disordered mind kicks in it's when i have to go to a neurotypical world and 
walk around everyone conscious while they're on autopilot, when I have to drive on the roads when they're just eating bowls of cereal, which blows my mind and forever will blow my mind. How can you eat a bowl of cereal with live milk sloshing around with a wheel, with a, with, you know, with a, a gear stick? I just, I don't know, but people just live in this autopilot world and get surprised when something bad happens to them. And I stay conscious forever, which is why I get tired quicker, because I can't allow other people's disorder to disrupt mine, my order. I cannot allow that to happen because I struggle more when things fail. Other people, as I've said it before, they have acceptable failure, things they can fully control. They don't. It goes wrong and they just go, oh, well, no, if you can control it, then pay attention to it. It won't fail. <laughs> but I don't have disorder. I have order. I cannot have chaos. Calm, you know, like a clear house equals a clear mind. A calm room means I have a calm mind. I like to open my eyes in the morning and see everything in its place, everything neat. Walk on a nice uh, vacuumed carpet with no cat hair or dog hair knocking about. You know, I don't like to see dust on glass. I like it nice and clear. Like for my car, I've got this auto gleam spray. And before I make a journey, I make a good clean of the front, clean of the inside, clean of the mirrors and clean of the uh, parking um, camera at the back. I always make sure when I'm working away, I've got enough clothes for the exact number of days plus one. I always take sort of a pajama type clothes and I take like a comfy version of clothes as well. So when I'm relaxing in the evening in my room, when I work away, I'm not actually in bed clothes. And you know what? Maybe it's a touch of OCD to want everything neat, but I don't know. And I won't say I've got OCD because I you know, I know nothing of it, to be honest, but it's the calm it brings. I'm not a, I'm not a, a germaphobe, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not like you'll see me, you know, if my hand touches something, I'm not sure of it. I've got to go and scrub my hand 30 times. I'm not like that. I just think if you've got hundred items and a hundred places for these hundred items to live, then put them in that place. Why have them not there? Why put, why just allow them to be in other places? You know, people who lose their keys. How do you lose your keys? Have a hook. When you come in, put them on that hook and they will be there when you need them again. Just, I don't know. I just, I can't understand disorder. I can't understand why anyone would want chaos. People, you go to the house and like, oh, don't look in this cupboard. You know, <laughs> turn away while I, while I open this door because it's got a, a, you know, a, a door that you can't see through and you think, well, if it's behind a cupboard door, I can just throw it in, shut the door and it's hidden. No, not me. The way I plan my work is clear and obvious. I arrange my Outlook diary in color-coded ways so it's obvious for other people where I'm going and what I'm doing. Everything is obvious and I plan it obviously because I hate and can't deal with disorderly chaos. So how have I got a disorder? When I'm living for me, by me, by my design, everything is flawless and it is calm. But send me outside in the world with people on autopilot walking around unconsciously. 
I have to stay so dialed in. So why is it me with the disorder? Why am I disordered? Because I have to keep an extra level of attention. Surely they're disordered because they can just have acceptable failure, create carnage, and it's all all right. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I don't like autism as a word because it's too vast and too varied, yet they don't focus on all of autism. You know, it's kind of like they hide the true autism and what it actually is, which I have no idea why they do that. Spectrum is too linear, and vectrum, uh, autism as a spectrum is just too vast. It would be, it would be its own chaos if you had to follow a mind map of trying to figure out why I'm like this person and why they're like that person, but why that person can socialize, but this person can't. This person can cook, but that person can't. But you'd think that person was the one who couldn't cook. And they just end up tying themselves in knots. And disorder, my friends, tell me where my disorder is. I haven't got any. You know, I've even got little old man Logan comics over there on my bookshelf. They're in number order. They don't have to be. You know, according to some, but to me, they do. But when I put them there, the last thing that was on my mind is they've got to be in number order. My autopilot allows order because I can't have disorder because it's upsetting for me. And that, my friends, is why I dislike the term autism spectrum disorder. Now, I could have it all wrong inside out and backwards. I usually do, but that's just my two cents. But until next time. Thanks for watching and keep smiling.